Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Totally Uncalled For. We had a big week, so we got a lot to talk about. I'm back. It's your boy, Jack Maxson Jackson, here with our co-host, Dinger. And finally, joining the show, our executive producer, K-Max. Say what's up, everybody. What up, guys? Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here. And last but not least, a long-awaited guest on the show, Vic, city boy. What's up with it? Yo! Hey, hey, what's up, gentlemen? Welcome to the show. Thank Thank you for having me on the hottest up and coming show in the land. It's an honor. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to have you. Glad to have you. We're going to start the show tonight talking about some fantasy. Oh, boy, as fantasy got me stressing. I'm about as more stressed as fucking Dave's mom was while giving birth to him, bro. <laughs> Dude, but for real. Chill, uh, chill. I'm chill. sorry, Dinger. I'm sorry. Big ass. I'll keep the mama jokes. She's a beautiful so, lady. I know, I know. But, you know, you're a big dude, bro. That had to be fucking terrible. <laughs> anyways, anyways. Um, bear with me here because I have a lot of people to talk about right now. In fantasy football... We all have those people in our leagues that really don't know how it works. They, they think they're doing one thing right, but they're doing it completely wrong. And so far this year, we've been plagued with injuries at some key positions, running back the receiver. Running back was pretty thin to start the year off, and we have a bunch of key injuries there. Um, and that, that causes a uh, whirlwind of trade offers left and right, and it's really, really stressful to say the least. Uh, my team, like I let you guys know last week, we uh, lost our third and fifth round pick, a running back, and we we're pretty thin at the running back position ourselves. So what do you think we're doing? We're going up and down the, the standings, hitting up every team, trying to find an RB2, and we've been running into some characters, to say the least. <laughs> every league, every league has that one player that finds someone on Matthew Barry's podcast that's in the waiver <laughs> wire. They use their first week waiver pick on them. They get them. And then they're like, all right, who can I trade him to? Who can I trade him to? Well, that's our boy Harrison. Harrison has barked <laughs> up that tree many a time over the past few years. And he is just out here trying to scavenge my team and be like a little vulture on the side of the fucking highway. I just can't deal with this guy. I woke up to a text from this guy saying, oh, I'll trade you Alfred Morris and freaking who the hell else knows. I don't even remember. I deleted this trade offer the second it came in. <laughs> This was just <laughs> disrespectful. Disrespect. And everyone has those people in those. Knows that those people are everywhere. They just try to scavenge off your team, make their team better, and your team worse. And that ain't cool. That ain't fun. That's not the point of fantasy football. The point of fantasy football is have a good time and, of course, win. We're all trying to do that. Next person. Yeah. Sorry, Daniel. What were you going to say about Harrison? What's he, what's he going to uh, tell you? Oh. Well, I mean, I first off, shout out Alex Collins, six point nine yards <laughs> per carry. That's, that's Harrison's boy. But, but um, I sort of wanted to add on the fact that, as well as all the injured players that we have this year, we also have one notable holdout that that has caused a new rising star in the fantasy football league. That is true. In James Conner. That is true, and that has definitely um, caused some shakeup in our in our league for sure. You know. Um, James Conner has been out to a huge start, but I don't know if that'll last. Um, let's let let me move forward with this little fantasy thing before we get into more details, Dinger. I got one more person I want to talk about, and every league has someone like this. 
This man has three RB2s stacked on his bench. He's got a loaded team of just like mediocre players, but he's got some players that could be plug and plays any week. And he just doesn't answer the phone. He doesn't answer the phone. He won't answer. He's stonewalling me. I'm trying to get a trade going. I'm trying to make a trade the likes of which I've never seen before. I'm trying to come up to him. Trade him some of my bread and butter and get some freaking running backs, and he won't answer the damn phone. When opportunity knocks, you answer. When Jerry Jones picks up the phone, <laughs> there better be another voice on that other line waiting to hear back and speak some facts. I just can't deal with it. Caesar, what is your deal, man? Your team is 0-2 now. I had after the during week one, I was like, yo, let's make a trade. He hit me with, we're not trying to trade right now. It's week one. I respect that. That's okay. I can take that. But then when week two comes around, you're 0-1, you put up 70 points in the first week, and you got a game against one of the top teams in the league, a team that we picked as a playoff team on this show, Dinger. And he won't even answer me. He's stonewalling me. I'm like, yo, let's make a freaking deal already. Your team sucks. He has no wide receivers and six running backs. I'm like, dude, I got wide receivers for days. Let's make a damn deal. I can't handle this. Caesar, you're pissing me off. People, you all have those people in your groups. I suggest you stonewall him back. Give this guy the cold shoulder. Let him know that you will not do trade deals with people with uh, unnecessary and indecent trade tactics. We don't like that shit, and we won't deal with it. We're going to take on that approach going forward. Dinger, what do you think? Caesar, especially being the worst player in the league last year, needs, needs, needs to make some moves. Um. I, I don't really like his team that much, but the fact that you're not even picking up the fucking phone. Oh, it just that's a, that's alarming scum. to me. But um enough of talking about trade talks. Um let's talk about one of the teams that's been the co- topic of conversation <laughs> in our league for some time. Oh, um, oh, here we he, go. He recent he recently left his partner who seems to be doing a lot better off without him. Um, Vic, can you tell us about why you decided to leave Harrison for Matt, one of the perennial worst teams in the history of this league? So for the uh, for the people that don't know, me and uh, Harrison Siegel used to be teammates at the very start of our, uh, our, our famed league. We were together for about three years and uh, got off to the hottest start that fantasy football has ever seen. I think we started 10-0 the first year, uh, got into the playoffs, lost in the second round. Second year rolls around nine and zero, go through the playoffs, finals. We win it all. Third year, we're plagued with some injuries. Things don't really go our way. Um, you know, we end. We go into the off season, and right before the start of this last year's season, Matt came to me with uh, an offer I couldn't refuse. And about a week before the draft, I, I just had to jump ship. Um, you know, it's. It's it's tough to leave someone that you, you win a ring with and uh, someone that you have such good history with, but I think the the losses took a toll on us. Uh, the the chemistry kind of started breaking up, you know. Um, we just we weren't seeing eye to eye anymore. Okay, and, that's understandable. Yeah, but I mean, it, you guys worked so well together. You had. Harrison with the waiver wire ads and the good draft. And then you were the only person of the two that had any sensibility to actually get a trade done. And yeah, obviously Harrison is stuck with his team the rest of the year. I don't, I don't see him being somehow finagle a trade with anybody. And your team is 
doesn't have any running backs. I mean, was that your draft strategy or was that Matthews? So to, to, to touch on your first point, um, Harrison's kind of a double-edged sword. You know, he's, he's clearly a talented fantasy player, but he's also someone that's, uh, as you guys have seen in trade talks, not the easiest person to deal with. He's, uh, he's always going. You know what I mean? He's, he's always looking for that fourth string running back out of Kansas State that might get 4.6 yards per carry and get you the points that you need. But, but it's tough to deal with at times, and I just I had to take a step back and, and reassess. Now, Matt's history isn't the best, but I like his approach to the game. You know, as you guys have all known, Matt's the stats guy. And I believe that, you know, and if you run 10 scenarios, the numbers will win the majority of the time. And uh, that's kind of the strategy that we employed this year with the controversial no running back approach. And we view it as running backs being replaceable. You know, as Jack mentioned before, running backs get hurt and people like James Conner step up when before the season, no one even knew who James Conner was. So we thought it was more important to focus on other parts of the team before the running back. And so far this week, we've we've proven that it pays off. Yeah, but you also get weeks like the week before when your running back score four and six points and you end up with a total of in the low 80s and end up being one of the worst teams. I don't know if that – I mean, to count on DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green and Travis Kelsey for 25-plus points each every week, um, I, I see that sort of as a stretch. And also, I mean, I did like Russell Wilson pick up early in the year, but um, how do you think his outlook going forward is with that insanely trash O-line? I mean, we've seen Russell Wilson just make it happen no matter what. Past three years, he's proven himself as a top fantasy quarterback. Um, I mean, last year, I think the same the same doubts were circling the team, and he he, he manages to make it happen. Uh, last And I agree with you, last week the running back performance was pretty poor, but also, you know, the defense – Saints defense dropping negative nine on us while Jack had the Ravens dropping 17 and Travis Kelsey dropping one point, which is completely unlike him. We, we still feel comfortable moving forward with this approach. We, we have very strong receivers. Travis Kelsey is a stud tight end and we, we still think that we can make this happen. Yeah. One and one is not too shabby. I mean, you guys started off with that falling flat on your face, putting up less than, (laughs) less than a hundred and, it was honestly, like, for a lot of us around the league, it was pretty entertaining to watch. And it was, <laughs> and, and it was pretty awesome because we all predicted it. And then uh, we were all waiting to see what was going to happen week two. And you guys really bounced back and you fired. And you guys, you beat a pretty good opponent in the uh, Edelman's club with Nick and Dylan at the helm. You guys beat a good team. I'm pretty proud of that. But uh, going forward, that – that those wide receivers, they got they got to get you they got to get you catches. That's really what it's going to come down to, man. Yeah, I mean, no doubt about that. But we, we do believe in our wide receivers. You know, we we got some uh, we got some deals cooking up in the oven, and uh, you guys are going to be surprised. Yeah, um, I I just always like to uh, to note that um, every team every, in the history of this league and almost every league I've been in, they have a running back that is a number one or a number two. It doesn't matter about if they have another running back. It's usually always a team with the number one, number two, number three running back and strong receivers across the board. Um, are you guys going to be flipping any of those for any of these top running backs? 
we'll see how it goes. I mean, obviously, no one's given up the Gurleys and the the Melvin Gordons and the Kareem Hunts of the world. And you know, if the if the right deal presents itself down the line, we'll obviously entertain it. But right now, we we feel comfortable moving forward with what we got. Okay. All right. Well, Kevin. What what do we got on the docket next? I, I believe we're all finished here talking about fantasy. Let's get into some um, some NFL talk. What do you what do we got, Kevin? Yeah, man. Up first, we got to take a look at uh, Dinger Boys Vikings versus Packers. Take a little <laughs> little stab at them because I don't know. I don't know if a tie counts as a win. I mean, you guys can't be definitely too upset, not. You know, coming out like that, but <laughs> y'all had that, man. Dinger, right. Dinger, I'll let you take the lead on this one. All right, first off. Fuck Daniel Carson. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that we dropped his fucking ass the day after the game. Mike Zimmer was asked, was it e- easy decision to drop Daniel Carlson? And he responded with, did you see the game? Yeah. For a team that has Super Bowl aspirations, you can't be having a kicker miss three kicks in a division game at Lambeau Field. Two of them being in overtime and one of them being a chip shot. Yuck. It's just completely... <clears throat> an egregious error that should never happen. I'm looking forward to Dan Bailey being the new kicker. Um, as a Vikings fan, I have experienced a many, a many of very, very terrible kicking performances from our kickers. Most recently, Blair Walsh missing a 26-yard field goal to beat the Seattle Seahawks in the playoffs. Yeah. But enough, enough about the pass. It's down to talk about this game. So early on... Early on, the Packers were driving the ball, and um, I, Aaron Rodgers looked to be somewhat healthy. He wasn't able to move and do his normal Aaron Rodgers thing, but he was able to consistently move the ball down the field. Um, however, he was 1-5 in, in the red zone, and that's something that I, I just got to give the Minnesota Vikings D credit to the best quarterback in the NFL being held 1-5 in, in the red zone and them having to um, kick those field goals. But this day was all about Kirk Cousins. That's why you go out and that's why you sign this man to an $84 million guaranteed contract for days like this. Because you know that when you play the Packers, when you're up, you have to continue to put points back on the board. And when you're down, obviously, you need to put the ball in the end zone. And he did that great. With, in the fourth quarter, he, in the overtime combined, he threw for over 280 yards and three touchdowns. It was incredible. I liked, I really liked the play call. It was probably, I believe, the first touchdown to Spawn Diggs. And he was running in motion to the left slowly. And then he cuts back slowly again. And they have 35-year-old Tremont Williams one-on-one against him. And then he just jukes him real quick, goes to the outside run, wide open, perfect play design. Our best player against your 35-year-old. And then right after that, the, ne- the next time the Vikings got the ball, Kirk Cousins throws a bomb to, De- to, to Stephon Diggs for a 75-yard touchdown. But I do have to note on the play, and I do think Kirk Cousins did a good job. The safety supposed to have the deep route right there, but he was caught checking and looking at Kirk Cousins' eyes. He was he Kirk Cousins looked him off, looked at uh, Laquan Treadwell short, and then just heaved the ball up deep. And, I hear you. Mm-hmm. And – one more pass I just had to talk about is with 33 seconds left on the clock, 22-yard <laughs> bullet 
This is passing, ladies and gentlemen. A 22-yard bullet with with hands in his face as he's getting taken to the ground. He throws it and fits it into the tightest of tightest windows, just like a virgin. And just and Adam Thielen catches the ball for a touchdown. Stephon Diggs takes the they get they get him on the two-point conversion. Again, our best player against your corner one-on-one. We're gonna win that every day. Um, and then in the playoff and in the in the overtime, they move down the ball down the field, and we know everything about um, the kicking woes of the Vikings so far. But I do want to note something about this NFL hit rule. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I do not think that should have been called on Clay Matthews. Neither do I think it should have been called earlier on Eric Kendricks. Um, I I know the NFL doubled down on the rule, saying that's what they want, but. That's not NFL football. I mean, it, it ended up working in my favor this time, but it, it may not in weeks to come. And um, I do think Packers fans should be the last people complaining about this because your pussy-ass quarterback is the reason why the rule is in, in place in the first place because he had a bitch and moan saying that it shouldn't have been a legal hit. Well, you know what? You just ended up having a tie game because of that. So speaking on speaking on Aaron Rodgers now that you're calling him a pussy ass quarterback, Vic, I'm gonna ask you this. Okay. Do you do you think that that knee is gonna hold up throughout the season? Because you know this isn't FIFA where they can just bust out that fancy magic spray, spray it down real fast and (laughs) off he goes. What do you think, man? That knee ain't gonna hold up in my opinion. I mean what's what's the injury right now? The official injury, a sprain? Yeah, it says sprain kneecap, but to me it looks like a MCL uh, like um, injury. Um, I did hear a report that he's not going to be full health for five to six weeks. So that is something to note going forward. You know, it's tough to comment on someone like Aaron Rodgers because the rules of normal people don't apply to him. It seems he is true. He just, you know, he, he makes things happen that no one else can. And the fact that he even played this week is surprising. And his performance with the knee is, is incredible. So it's hard to say that he's, you know, he's not going to keep doing this, especially as the weeks go on and, you know, they rest him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday or whatever. And I, I don't know. I just I'm never going to doubt Aaron Rodgers at this point. So staying on the topic of um, quarterbacks that you might be unsure on, <laughs> let's transition into the Jaguars Patriots game and let's talk about Blake Bortles because I know you're not too hot on him, Vic. <laughs> I mean, am I am I in the minority of people that don't think Bortles is the greatest quarterback ever? Definitely not. The boat, the best of all time. He had an incredible game. There's absolutely no denying that. Uh, the Jaguars are for real. I can't believe I'm saying that. Um, I, I, I can't really hate on him this week, but I think next week we might see some inconsistency out of him, and that's that's the main argument that comes up around him. Yeah, I did some uh, digging in the film of the Blake Bortles' performance, and he made a few throws, but um, to me it looked like he had a bunch of open receivers. Um, Keenan Cole, I mean, I don't know the people who are talking about who say the Jaguars don't have receivers. Keenan Cole was making grabs one-on-one mossing people he had an odell like moment unreal caught a ball with three fucking fingers and holds on to it as he's throwing his hand forward saying nope you're not getting this and has another touchdown and dd westbrook dd westbrook was a first round talent that ended up falling to the later rounds because of off the field issues he's a baller as well and then you throw in guys like dante moncrief mossing mossing cornerbacks and 
Blake Bortles just needs to hit the throws that are there. He's not doing anything special. He's hitting what he should supposed to be doing, which is what he has not done in the past. And I do have to give credit to the offensive line. Andrew Norwell is a bully up front. He just doesn't want to block you. He wants to dig your fucking face into the ground. <laughs> and yeah, it was very impressive. Very impressive without yeah, Fournette. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, I sort of like the outlook of them without Fournette. Um, they have TJ Yeldon. They involve him in the pass game. They throw him out wide. Um, he's a little shiftier than Fournette, obviously, a bet without the power. And also, Blake Bortles can run the ball. I believe he has the highest yard per carry of any quarterback in the history of the league. And that includes the like Wilson, Michael Vick, and new guys like Watson, of uh, people who are of good running quarterbacks. And I do what I do love about Bortles is he's not afraid to get hit. There's some other quarterbacks like Eli Manning, who the second they see a runner, free runner, they just cower and go to the ground because they don't want to get hit. Blake Bortles will stand in there, throw the ball, and take that hit. And that's something I really do admire about it. Any thoughts on the game from you, Vic? I'm going to be honest. The Raiders game was on, so I had my uh, eyes on that. I didn't really watch that one. That's true. And we'll touch on the Raiders game in a few minutes maybe. But uh, one thing I wanted to touch on was Blake Bortles, his performance on third down was incredible yesterday. They were 10 of 14 on third down. And at one point, they were 8 of 8. And that right there can change the entire narrative of a game. As we saw, Blake Bortles could not do anything wrong. He he could not do anything wrong. Third and eight, he scrambles around, runs for a first down, and that and that just changes the whole course of the game. Uh, it it was just honestly very disappointing for me to watch, as I had my money on the Patriots, as I'm sure most of the public did, and it it was just a bloodbath at one point. It looked like the defense could not get off the field to get Tom Brady the ball, and and it was just disappointing to see. So, are the Jags for real? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But they definitely played well without a huge key piece with Leonard Fournette. It was very entertaining, very cool to watch. Yep. Something to note, um, the Jags opened at minus one at home against the Titans. Wow. Whoa. Wow. Is that a hammer talk? Do, do I throw the hammer down? Yeah, you um, got, might I, put your mortgage on it. All right, there is something to say about Dick Buck. Um, the, <laughs> not Dick Buckkiss. Um <laughs> Dick somebody, the defensive coordinator Some on dick. the Titans. Um, <laughs> he, he's notoriously good for bottling up portals. Um, and they went 0-2 against the Titans last year. So <clears throat> I, that is something to note. I, I don't know if it's obvious hammer talk, but it's something to consider looking at, especially with uh, the Titans having three tackles out last week and Blaine Gabbert starting at quarterback. True that. True that. Let's move on to another game. Buccaneers versus Philadelphia Eagles. Oof, wow. Fist magic. The, the defending <laughs> champs getting a little taste of fist magic. Woo. That game was amazing. Deshaun Jackson busting off 75-yard touchdown on the first play of the game. It was a flashback to old vintage Deshaun Jackson in his Eagles days. It was outstanding. Vic, any thoughts? I mean, this is crazy. This is Probably the craziest story in the NFL, in my opinion. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a god at this point. He, he's, he, he's looking like the best quarterback in the league. The, the, the Bucks are coming out of nowhere. You know, it looks like they have the best receiving core in the league now. I, I have no idea where this came from, but this is extremely entertaining to watch. That is true. Dinger, what do you think? 
I told I told everybody at the end. <laughs> oh, I told you. Here it comes. No, Here it comes. no I, I, I didn't say anything about Fitzmagic having, predicting this two times in a row. But I did say, uh, after my analysis of the Saints game, that if the Eagles decided to do man-to-man coverage and leave their corners out on island against these receivers, that they would be eaten up. And they didn't listen to me. I don't really think any of them were listening to me in the first place. But, I mean, it just goes to show you. Jalen Mills got beat deep once again. What a surprise. You don't put him on man-to-man coverage, especially against Hassan Jackson. What do you know? Man-to-man coverage. He gets burned deep. And this is probably my favorite play of the game. And it didn't – and it was from a – it was a performance from a player who didn't even catch a pass. So, O.J. Howard catches a – like probably like a 17, 16-yard crossing route. And – he runs this, breaks a tackle, runs to the sideline, and Chris Godwin comes out of fucking nowhere, sprints ahead of him, and just bullies Michael Jenkins out of the way. Michael Jenkins is supposed to be one of the better tackling safeties in the league, and he gets bullied by Chris Godwin all the way down the field, and O.J. Howard is able to run by for a touchdown. Not only are these receivers able to beat you on one-on-one, they're bullies in the fucking path, in the, in, in blocking. I mean, you got guys like Mike Evans, Huge guy. He's willing to block downfield. And these receivers are just playing for their other pass catchers on the field. And that was just a play that I really liked. And another another thing of note is um, on, on this game was I, the Eagles losing their quarterback coach and their offensive coordinator is, is going to be a, a lot bigger problem than most people had anticipated. Because I, I didn't see much creativity out of the Eagles offense this week. Um, and uh, Nick Foles has the ability to hit open receivers, but he doesn't make those wow plays or those wow throws where you're just like odd. I mean, in the Super Bowl, you you saw open receiver after open receiver, and I mean, Nick Foles was able to throw the ball up to certain guys like Alshon Jeffrey and stuff like that. But I mean, Alshon's not in. They have a bunch of pass catchers that are injured right now. Um, I, if I were the Eagles, I would be a little bit worried. They do have Carson Wentz coming back against the Colts. I believe Carson Wentz is going to come back and completely resurrect this offense. But, I mean, if you look at the stats, they're a bottom-tier offense the past two weeks. And they hadn't really played that many good defenses. I mean, they played a depleted Falcons team that had an injury to Keanu Neal early on in the season and then Deion Jones later on during that. And then they played the Buccaneers, who just gave up 40-plus points to the Saints. So, I mean – I, I like the outlook on the Eagles. I believe they are still a playoff team. And I, I don't know if I think the Bucks are for real. The defense is is terrible. But, I mean, the Bucks have been so bad for so long. They've drafted so high. So they have all these draft picks that on offense that are, are finally starting to show. Yeah, uh, Vic, didn't you get a chance to uh, speak with Mike Evans a little while back? <laughs> I did. So um, I, I live in Tallahassee and Jameis came back to host a charity golf event and I was able to attend and the night before there was there was kind of like this dinner reception and he brought a couple players with him he actually brought Mike Evans um he, he brought uh Telvin Smith from the Jaguars and he um he brought a couple other people and I, I got to speak to Mike Evans and I was just curious I go up to him and I say hey can I ask you a personal question he goes yeah go ahead I go, who's the softest, most overrated corner in the league? 
And he looks at me and he says, name some. And I go, Josh Norman. And he ah. goes, yeah, him. <laughs> First thing he says, didn't even think about it, just instant response. Shots fired. We're going to have to cue this up. Maybe K-Mac, uh, hit up Josh Norman on Instagram or Twitter. Send him a link to our pod, and let's see if we can get some shit going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on it. Let's try and start You know I beef. like to stir the pot. You know how I do. Yeah, that's pretty man. crazy. All right. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about a more, more uh, relevant game. Steelers and Chiefs, this was a freaking shootout. Absurd. Dang, start us off. What's good? Ding, are you there? I'll start us off. <laughs> Mahomes looked absolutely incredible. Is oh, he for man. Real? I Is hope he not. For real? You hope not? Yeah, that would suck for your Raiders for sure because he's going to be there for a long time. And they got Kareem Hunt, young, stud. They got Tyreek Hill, young, stud. They got, uh, what's it called, Travis Kelsey. That offense just looks star-studded. And, you know, they had uh, Mahomes dropping 10 touchdowns in his first two games. That, that's that's impressive, and I believe that that's a, a record-setting number right there. It is, well. it is, and that's a problem. That, that's a, that's a big problem. When when he's dropping ten touchdowns in two weeks, he's on pace for eighty touchdowns this year. And he's <laughs> going to be thrown into Canton at the end of this this season, his first real season. I'm I'm a little worried as a Raiders fan. The Chiefs' offense is absolutely absurd. Um, yeah, it seems that's like for sure. no one can stop them. I mean, the Steelers' defense isn't you know really uh, much to put your hat on, but hang your hat on but but still you know 42 points in the league is an incredible feat regardless and their performance last week the Chiefs look for real they really do and I mean we were all talking last year how good they were with uh Alex Smith at the helm you know he's a uh, more conservative guy doesn't make that many mistakes and he got him to the playoffs and uh, I mean, barring that uh, self-pass by Mariota in the end, there they might have been the team to move forward and play and play against what the Patriots or whoever they played. Well, uh, they they definitely had a chance last year, and I think their their chances this year with Mahomes at the helm over Alex Smith, their chances are much better now from what it looks like. And it, as long as that defense is going to hold up, gra- they, I mean, granted it was in Pittsburgh against where where uh, Big Ben thrives. Right. Uh, they did. They put up a lot of numbers, and that one thing that does concern me is: it, is Mahomes going to be able to put up these numbers every week? Probably not. So that defense is going to have to step up some way, one way or another. Yeah, the defense will definitely have to step up, and they are still missing, you know, star safety Eric Berry, and yeah. they did lose star cornerback Marcus Peters. Yep. That so is true. I mean, yeah, the defense is a little bit weaker, and I think you know they will have to continue scoring thirty plus points a game, but. It's. It seems as though they're able to do it every week. Mm-hmm. Another timeline emerged from this uh, this game. Not only Mahomes, but um, Antonio Brown. Those tweets. Uh oh. Twitter fingers. Uh oh. That concerns me. I'm not gonna lie. He didn't show up to practice today. Or was he? No, yesterday. I'm sorry. He didn't show up to practice yesterday. And um, is there trouble in paradise? They don't yeah. got Levy on there. They don't. And now Antonio. He, you know, he he's publicly backed his boy, Bill. He publicly went out to back for him. They are boys. And Antonio, he's, you know, he's uh, he's been vocal on social media before. He's one of those guys. But mm-hmm. you kind of let it slide because of who he is and how great of a talent he is. But you don't want that kind of animosity in the locker room. And, yeah. and Mike Tomlin did come out and make a comment that he's going to talk to Antonio about his, uh, you know, social media use. 
And mm-hmm. I I don't think Antonio is going to – I don't think he's going to make this too much of a scene. But definitely something interesting to monitor. Yeah, we, we don't know it now, but this could be the end of the Steelers as we know it. One year, two years from now, are they going to be the same Steelers? Who knows? They're probably not going to have Bell. I mean, that's almost a given now. Right. Big Ben is on his way out. Right. And now Antonio Brown, his future is shaky because they can't – it seems like in that locker room they can't keep anyone happy. So losing those three pieces down the road, that team is not going to be what they are now. They're going to be a shell of that team. Absolutely. I'm concerned. Um, there's some definitely com- concerns there. But this was definitely a fun game to watch. Like, all in all, I love seeing high-scoring games. Always. My mantra now for the rest of the year, I think I'm going to be hammering that over when it comes to Chiefs games because Mahomes is on fire. That's not a bad play at all. Not a bad play at all. Stick it in that division, though. Uh. You know, we, <laughs> we saved the best for last on this show because – we like to start a little bit of issues. We like to start some some problems in paradise and Raiders Broncos. <sighs> Raiders oh. Broncos, my beloved Raiders. Before I let you start, Vic, I want to I want to get some on my chest. Before the, while this game was going on, I was dreading this podcast a little bit. Not gonna <laughs> lie, I was like, "Wow, Raiders looking good. <laughs> Derek Carr is firing. Like I don't think you could like missed a pass almost. Like he was, was absurd." Like, I was like, damn, I'm going to have to bring Vic on the show, talk about the Raiders, talk about how good Derek Carr is and how how much they more they should pay him. <laughs> but in classic Raiders fashion, uh, they go and they blow it in the end. Man. Vic, you were watching this game every second of it. What went wrong? Where did it go wrong? Let's hear it. Well, in classic Raiders fashion – the second half just seems to be a completely different ball game for us. First half, we're up 12-0. We hold the Broncos to two first downs. That's it. That's all they got in the entire first half of football, two first downs. They were atrocious. Their cars, you know, not missing a pass. Everything's going well. We, we you know, we should have we should have turned out a little bit more points than 12 in that first half, but it is what it is. We come out in the second half, and we're just slow. You know, the, the play calling is a little bit soft. They're trying to preserve the lead, not give up any interceptions or, you know, not risk anything, and it catches up to us. The defense is a little bit gassed in that Denver altitude, and there's not enough of a pass rush. Cue the Khalil Mack jokes, and uh, <laughs> and the Broncos are they're able to come back and bring it within a field goal, and then McManus puts the nail in the coffin. So since you since you walked into that, Vic, what uh, as a fan, how does that feel? I mean, I Khalil Mack is a general or generational player. We know that he's great. He's just he was too expensive for for the team's cap situation, and you know we we had to make the move. I obviously would love to still have him. I never would say that I don't want to have him on the team still, but you know business is business in the league, and we really just weren't able to hold on to him. And it shows now. It really does. Yeah, I can hear that. And it yeah. doesn't help that in that altitude, I don't know if you guys didn't watch the pregame, but they're announcing that it was 92 degrees in Denver, like one of the, one of the hottest games the Broncos have ever had. And there's an on-field reporter reporting that it's something like 105, 110 degrees on the actual field. That's what it feels like. 110 Jesus. degrees in that altitude, that's – I mean, how do you play in that? Yeah. It's surprising they can go that long, you know, when you think about it like that. Yeah. 
But Derek Carr, 28 or 29 for 32, 288 yards, a touchdown, 90% completion uh, rate. You know, there, there's nothing to say about that. He bounced back from his pretty bad week one performance. And, you know, I still believe in Carr, and we're going to get this thing together. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. All right, guys, let's take a break here. We'll have a quick commercial break. Thank to our sponsor, Proofy. The world's first child-proof permanent marker. Keep it locked, guys. We'll be right back. Don't let the boys get a hold of your dress and turn it into their coloring book. Get yourselves a proofy. The world's first child-proof permanent marker. And we're back from that short commercial break. Thanks to our sponsor, Proofy. The world's first child-proof permanent marker it's link in bio ladies and gentlemen link in bio all right um so back to that talk about the raiders game dinger before we had a couple of uh did someone just shit themselves <laughs> <laughs> yo 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 speaking of shitting themselves um oh here himself, we go <laughs> sat himself on hole five of the golf course this weekend wearing white <laughs> pants mind you yeah. All right. We'll get into that. We'll get into the shitty pants situation. <laughs> maybe on our next episode when we bring back the dick pic. But let's talk about a different shitty situation. Dinger, I know you did a lot of film study on the Raiders game. I'll let you get your thoughts in on that game before we start moving on. Okay. Let's let's just go down to the obvious first. We were all expecting the the Raiders pass rush to be complete and absolute utter shit. And it's it's been exactly that lately. The Raiders have two sacks, one fumble force, and one interception. Khalil Mack himself, when he played limited slap snaps last week, has two sacks, two forced fumbles, one interception, one fumble recovered, and a touchdown. Mind you, one of those sacks for the Raiders was when Case Keenum bobbled the ball from a terrible shotgun snap. So you should definitely take that with a grain of salt, too. But uh, first off, everybody knows the Raiders' defense is shitty. And analyze Derek Carr's performance. On the outside, it looked like a historic performance um, in terms of completion percentage. He was hitting open men. Um, he was making some good throws. But um, to me, I, from what I saw, I, I would take it with a grain of salt. Derek Carr missed a couple throws. And not that he mi- misthrowed it. Um, everybody knows the talent that he has with the accuracy of the ball. But um, I just don't like how he immediately sees pressure in the first open person he hits. He he just drops it off to him when if he sits in the pocket longer and takes a hit, he can get a bunch of open, deeper routes that are a lot more appealing. And that was probably the biggest difference between the two quarterbacks I saw this week. Um, Derek Carr was quick to get rid of it. And Case Keenum was willing to hold on to it and take a massive hit to hit his receivers, receivers down the field. Um, and it just goes to show you, I don't know if Derek Carr still is concerned about his back injury from before, but Case Keenum is willing to put his life on the line to get that first down, his life on the line to score that touchdown. It was fourth and goal, and he called his own number on a quarterback draw, just diving into the end zone, the game on the line, moment on the line. Case Keenum coming up clutch, showing you how gritty he is. 
Wow, it's, it seems like you're a man crush from last year on Case Keenum. Yeah, there's over. no bias there. No, I, I mean, obviously, what all you need to do is watch the game film, and you could clearly tell that Derek Carr is the much better quarterback and the one that you want to have on your team. He has a better arm. He has better accuracy with the ball. But Case Keenum just finds ways to win and isn't afraid to get hit, take that risk, or or throw that ball Um. I did see a good interception in the red zone by the Raiders. Um, Case Keenum threw an ill-advised pass. And um, I, I believe, who was that? The Rashawn Melvin. Rashawn Melvin made the pick. Um, it, was, it was a great play. Um, but it, it's hard because it's hard to really evaluate the Raiders' secondary because they're not getting any pass rush up front. And it's not fair to ask a corner to cover for five to six seconds. So it, the Raiders' corners – the jury is still out on them. We, we don't know what, what's left to behold. Apparently they added a bunch of new guys. Um, but that pass rush is really concerning to me. And I think Derek Carr needs to take more to, to learn to stay in the pocket, make something happen and not just hit the first open guy that he sees. I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. I, I do think that that car has shown a little bit of a, timidness in the pocket since you know the back-to-back injuries you know the broken leg and then the uh, broken bone in his back that kind of just lingered with him for the entire season but the, the the two teams that he's played so far have probably the two you know two of the top five defensive lines in the league you had the Rams with their ridiculous defensive line then you have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb on the Broncos so you know he's he's playing some top defenses. They're they're getting in there. They're they're crashing the pocket, but I think with time he'll uh, he'll regain the confidence. So uh, Vic, who are you looking for the the guy to step up on that defensive line and start start getting pressures and putting up some sack numbers? I mean, I love Maurice Hurst. I can't believe we got him in the fifth round. That was uh, a steal. Um, he, I believe he was dealing with um, some heart condition, which is, which is the reason why he fell that far. Yeah, people people were saying he has a heart condition, and he got cleared by multiple teams. And for whatever reason, he, he slid to the fifth. And I'm, it's a blessing for us. He's, he's a monster, you know. With time to mature, he's, he's going to be a force in the league. He got his first sack this weekend. It was, unfortunately, the only sack of the weekend for us. And, you know, we need more of that. We need Arden Key to develop. He has to grow up quick. We need um, we need Bruce Irving to really be a leader and step up even more. Former Seahawk yeah. Bruce Irving. Um, so <laughs> to to tangent the Raiders' unclutch performance from last week, um, let's get into a little preview. Um, this week we have the Miami two and Miami Dolphins playing at home in the heat. With Raiders having to tra- travel across the coast. We know how those West Coast teams are on those 1 o'clock East Coast games. Um, how do you think the Raiders are going to fare in this one, Vic? So, you know, the Raiders are traveling back to Miami for the second consecutive year. And as, you know, we all know, it's going to be hotter than a spoon in Demi Lovato's house out there. Woo! <laughs> it's- Damn! That one uh, hurt. <laughs> the the Dolphins are two and zero, oh, but let me remind you, they beat the Titans with Blaine Gabbert playing, no. and the and the Jets with a rookie quarterback. And if you remember last year, who did the Oakland Raiders start two and zero oh against? The Tennessee Titans and the New York Jets. How weird is that? 
That's freaking ironic. The Raiders then go on to, to have a 6-10 and 10 season, and I think the same is in order for the Dolphins. I think we go in there, and we slap them in the mouth, Ooh. we blow them out, and I get back on a plane and head home. Before, <laughs> before we get into any more analysis, I want to touch on one thing. This game has a lot more hype going into it than the players know, and I think they might need to learn what is riding on this game. We have Matt and Vic, star-studded Raiders fans, long time. We got Morph, Nick, Dick, the whole squad. Yo, Kevin, tell those bitches to shut up. (laughs) That is true. Uh, No love for them. But anyhow, we got Morph, Cardi, Nick, Dylan, squatted out with the Miami Dolphins. And then I'm over here, just back, stirring the pot, trying to get a fight going. Thanks to our sponsors at Fruity, we got hooked up with club level seats in the end zone for this game, in the air conditioning, so you know. Double cushion. Vic deals with the heat stress now. (laughs) So we're going to be out there. There's going to be a lot of hostility in the in the stands. We got to get these these players involved. They got to know just what is riding on this game. I mean, it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. Um, I'm pretty sure me and Morph are actually going to fist fight this weekend. Uh, I don't like anyone that roots for the Dolphins. I definitely will not have any friends at that game. It's just going to be me, Matt, and Tom. Jack, you got to be careful which side you pick. I ain't taking a side. It's going to be a fun weekend for sure. Yeah, so um, I sort of wanted to give my uh, pick on this game. I had plans to to attend, but um, unfortunately I'm – going to be attending the Jags-Titans uh, game up here in Jacksonville. Um, but um, I want to get – I just want to touch on a few things about this game. So um, everybody knows that the Raiders actually do have a very strong offensive line. But I believe the strength is more in the interior with Gabe Davis and Semelai Ojale. Um, I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. <laughs> you did not. Definitely not. <laughs> um, but um, they, they have strength in there, but the Dolphins' strength. Of, are their passengers on the outside. They have a newly acquired um, defensive end from the Rams and Robert Quinn. And they also have Cameron Wake, who's been a consistent force for them previously, and throw in um, good coverage linebackers like Kiko Alonso. And, I mean, it, it, might, it, it might spell trouble for the Raiders, but Derek Carr against those defensive backs, Amari Cooper against those defensive backs, I believe that the Raiders are going to have a field day out there on offense, but I'm not too, I'm, I, I'm not too confident in the Raiders defense with no pass rush to speak of at all. Um, the Dolphins did a good job of keeping a clean pocket for Tannehill last week against the Jets who showed against the Lions that their defense is, is not to be trifled with. Um, and I think Tannehill is going to be able to eat against, against this team. I'm throwing the quick slants and little, and dunks that they do to the like Jakeem Grant and um, some of the other receivers and the big playability of Kenny Stills, I think they're going to be able to light it up as well. But in the end, because of a late field goal from a game-winning drive from a certain white quarterback, I believe that the Oakland Raiders Let's go! will win 27-24. <laughs> Woo! I like it. I like uh, that. I, I, I think the talent disparity is, is a little bit too much for the Dolphins to overcome in this. As Vic alluded, their wins are against 
patty cake opponents. They played a rookie quarterback who honestly lit them up in, on defense to begin with. Um, if it wasn't for some clutch interceptions in the red zone and the turnovers from, I mean, a rookie quarterback that you have to come to expect. And I don't know what happened at the goal line at the very end of the game. He fumbled the ball. He picked it back up. He went the opposite direction. The end zone's right there. Just fall forward. Touchdown. It's a much closer game. And I think the Raiders are better than their 2-0 record. I still would peg them as, as a bottom half team, maybe a bottom third team. But um, I think John Gruden really needs to get something going. And this is, this is do or die for the Raiders. This is – are the Raiders going to be 8-8, eight 7-9? Eight, or are the Raiders going to be like – three and 13 and Vic needs to eat a pair of shorts um, <laughs> for those who don't know I I actually did agree to a bet that if the readers go three and 13 I will let Jack cook up some shorts Saute, and I'll eat them yo, yo. Yo, yo, just just hope they're not Cardi shorts because you might have a little skin in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit Vic, Vic I'll let you uh I'll let you give your outlook on the game before I give mine and wrap things up bro. I mean, I, I agree with Dinger. I think uh, the offensive line is, is going to be good enough to keep Derek Carr clean. It's, I mean, the defensive line isn't a slouch, but it's, it's the worst defense that we've played up to this point. Um, you know, the receivers are going to outma- outmatch their DBs. Uh, Derek Carr is going to have another great game. I think it will be high scoring. You know, I think they'll give our defense a little bit of problems, and it's going to be big on the Raiders to uh, to take every offensive opportunity that they have. You know, you can't can't get off that field without at least three points every time. And um, I think with the past two games, you know, falling apart in the second half, the team will focus in on that more more so than ever, and we'll close it out in Miami. Yeah, I mean, they, they did well last year. They they came into Miami and they slapped some cheeks around and they, yep. and they left with a victory last year. Yep. But to me, I don't think it happens again. Oh. I got a hot take for you, boys. Dolphins are going 3-0. and <laughs> Dolphins oh. are winning this game. They're at home. They got Tannenbaum under center. He's healthy. I don't know. I don't know any of their targets, honestly. Kenny Stills, fucking Amendola, like, where the fuck these guys coming from? Hey, fucking Adam I'm available. I'm free on Sundays. Hit me up, bro. But, but I just don't think that the Raiders can get out of their own way. I feel like the chips are all falling in the wrong direction for them this year. And I'm sitting back just rubbing my hands together and grinning and watching them spiral out of control. I don't even know why I have no analysis for this game. All the signs <laughs> point towards the Raiders winning. They did it last year. They're 0-2. They, they're due for a win. Dolphins 2-0. Who the fuck knows like where the hell that came from? But Dolphins get the victory again. It's going to be low scoring. It's going to be a freaking ridiculous game to watch. I'm going 14-10 Dolphins at home. They get the win. Wow. It, it's it's uh... – Good to note that the Raiders are a plus three favorite right now, and um, they are. Uh, anytime you have two terrible teams duking it out, I usually like to take the points. I mean, and the Raiders are plus three at plus one hundred five. I, I expect that line to keep moving. And um, if Raiders, which direction, Nick? What, what, which direction? I think that? the Raiders are going to continue getting disrespected. Honestly, Vegas seems to hate us. They hate us because they ain't us. Well, exactly. They, it, I, I, I'm sure that'll change once you guys move out there. But, uh, yeah, but um, the Raiders are, are, are a good value pick in this, and um, the line probably will move to plus four. 
um, I believe. Um, so, and plus four, I'm hammering that. Yeah, I'm the. I mean, if the Dolphins do pull away a win. It won't be by much, at least in my opinion. Um, well, I, I wanted to maybe talk about the Vikings game against the Bills because um, our our executive producer McKernan is a Bills fan, but. Honestly, no analysis is needed on this. It's a 16 and a half point spread. So and it's looking like it's looking like the Vikings are gonna end up a 22 and a half point spread at the end of this. We've got the best team in the NFL against the worst team in the NFL in Minnesota at home. I'm gonna stay away from it. I probably won't even watch it. Um it'll yeah, probably be right. 47, 47 oh, to three dang, victory. You're gonna miss it, man. Yeah, Minnesota. Forty-seven to three, Minnesota. Forty-seven to three, no shot. I That's think disrespectful. Fourteen twenty-one. I think I think a good prop would be the under/over line on picks thrown by the Bills. I'm sure it's going to be set at probably five and a half <laughs> in the first quarter. Hey man, Peterman's not playing anymore, so you know we don't have that lock of at least five a game or five and a half, should I say? Oh man! All right, all right, guys. I know we all love to beat up on the shitty teams in this league. Obviously, it's a lot of fun. For you, Dinger, being uh, 1-0-1, that's honestly hard to say. Vic, 0-2, you suck. Seahawks, we're 0-2. I got really no shade to throw. I'm going to stay away from throwing shade at the Bills because my team ain't much better. Vic, yours not that much better either. (laughs) We'll see. It would only be fitting if the Raiders go down to kick that game-winning field goal, miss, and the game ends in a tie somehow. (laughs) You guys might never hear from me again at that point. You know, you might be doing us a favor, but (laughs) Vic, Vic, are you eating Schwartz if the Raiders go three, twelve, and one? Ooh, I mean, you you heard it here first, guys. Official take from Victor Lucy. That's I got to think about that one. That's not the that's not the deal. Ooh, the deal is three and thirteen. So it is, yeah. 12 losses ain't 13. You heard it here first. If the Raiders get a tie and three wins, Vic will not eat his shorts. Yeah, 3 and thir- 3 and 13, I mean shorts. Okay. That's for sure. That's your hot take for the night. All right, I think we're all out of time, guys. All right, get your last thoughts in and let's wrap things up. All right. Vikings will win 47 to 3 and um, <laughs> the quarterback whoever it is on the Bills will throw for four plus interceptions. Vic, final thoughts? Raiders slap the Dolphins. We're clapping cheeks. We're eating sushi burritos with fin tail. Uh, then afterwards, we're hitting 11. And then I'm clapping cheeks in fantasy. Me and Matty Ice are taking the ship. Thanks for having me on the show, boys. Hey, thank you for coming, Vic. You are a pleasure to have on the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. That's all for Totally Uncalled For. It's your boy, Jack Maxson Jackson, Dinger, K-Mac, in inaugural show and our boy Young City Vic. Thank you so much. Keep it locked. Skill. Yo, yo, yo.